Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Today is Sunday, June 27, 2021. On this day in 2005, Marcus Wesson was sentenced to death for the shooting of his nine children. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes depictions and discussions of violence, murder, incest, and sexual abuse toward children that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the day Marcus Wesson was sentenced to death. Let's go back to the Fresno County Superior Court in California on June 27, 2005. America had its eye on Chief Deputy District Attorney Lisa Gamoyan. The case she was arguing was one of the deadliest mass shootings in Fresno's history. But the killings were only the frightening climax to a vast and disturbing family saga. Though the crimes were decades in the making, they first caught the public's attention on March 12, 2004. That afternoon, two women stood outside a small Fresno home demanding that their children, who they claimed were being held captive, were returned to them. Concerned neighbors eventually called the police. Standing between them and blocking the doorway when authorities arrived was 300-pound Marcus Wesson. Marcus was cooperative and calm, even as the situation grew ugly. As Officer Eloy Escareno tried to make sense of the situation, the two women warned that the people inside the home had a gun and planned to harm their children. Detectives called in a SWAT team and negotiator to de-escalate the situation. That was when Marcus announced he was going to say goodbye to the children. He disappeared inside the house and shut the door. Escareno and the other officers were unprepared for the situation and had no warrant to enter the house. They waited outside for the SWAT team. The only suspicious sound they heard from inside was an infant crying. But a neighbor said that at 3.30 p.m., she heard gunshots from inside Wesson's home. One of the mothers outside the house screamed for her children. Marcus emerged a few minutes later, his shirt and pants covered in blood. Escareno drew his weapon and charged into the house, calling for the children to come out. When he yanked the door open to a back room, he found a nightmarish scene that would haunt him for the rest of his life. Nine bodies were piled on top of each other, most of them children. They were laid from youngest to oldest. Each had been killed with a single bullet through the eye. The body on top was 25-year-old Sabrina. A 22 caliber pistol was tucked under her arm. Escareno's fellow officers had to pull him outside the room, screaming. 
Meanwhile, Marcus calmly knelt on the ground, instructing police to use three handcuffs to accommodate his massive wrists. A year later, Marcus's lawyer told the jury he didn't deny the darkest elements of the story. The two eldest victims, Sabrina and 17-year-old Lisa, were Marcus's daughters. The seven others, the oldest being nine and the youngest only 13 months old, were also his children. Marcus Wesson had raped and impregnated his own underage daughters and nieces. Public defender Ralph Torres claimed that Marcus was a monster, but he wasn't directly responsible for the deaths. Sabrina had been the killer, executing the children, her younger sister, and then herself. The district attorney's office, on the other hand, believed that Marcus should still be held responsible for every death that day. She told the jury how Marcus raised his children in his own personal cult. He taught the kids that Jesus Christ was a literal vampire and that Marcus himself was God, and God was to be feared. He savagely beat his family for any perceived slight to keep them in line. He sent his sons away when they turned 18. When the daughters turned 13, he wedded them to himself in a bedroom ceremony. Marcus told the family that nothing should ever separate them. It was better to die than to let police or child welfare tear them apart. He repeatedly asked his kids if they were ready to die for him. It might be impossible to know if Marcus was the one who eventually pulled the trigger that awful day, but Lisa Gamoyan believed that the years of manipulation, brainwashing, and abuse led to those nine deaths. The jury agreed. They found Marcus Wesson guilty of nine first-degree murders, along with 14 counts of rape and molestation. He was sentenced to death plus 102 years in prison. As guards led away 58-year-old Marcus, his surviving family was left deeply divided. While some breathed a sigh of relief, others still struggled to process what had happened to their family. Up next, Marcus's surviving family copes with the trauma. Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, Parcasters. It's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour. 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland, where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico, where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer and travel to New Zealand where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from Parcast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. 
Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. On June 27, 2005, Marcus Wesson was sentenced to death for the murder of his nine children. He raised them in a cult, taught them to worship him, and forced his underage daughters into sex. Reporter Alicia Safias was one of the first to interview police who discovered the remains of Marcus's children. She couldn't help but involve herself in the grisly saga. Alicia knew that Marcus's surviving victims were in trouble following his arrest. They had endured unimaginable trauma. After the murders, Marcus's sons were still calling him a great father. It took a long time for them to understand who he really was. But Alicia was more concerned with the girls and women that were left behind. She interviewed Elizabeth, Marcus's first and only legal wife. She was inside the house during the March 12th killings and was racked with guilt that she couldn't save her children and grandchildren. Elizabeth had been tormented for decades. When she married Marcus, who was an adult at the time, she was only 15 years old. Marcus had already fathered a son with her mother when she got pregnant with her first child. From the ages of 14 to 26, Elizabeth carried 11 of Marcus's children. Now, the rest of her family blamed her for the murders. She was reduced to sleeping in her car at night until Alicia invited Elizabeth to live with her. Alicia knew it was a cardinal sin in journalism to involve herself in the story, but she couldn't just back away. She wanted to save the other survivors, too. She eventually invited two of Marcus's other daughters, Gypsy and Kiani, to live with her and Elizabeth. Kiani, in particular, still struggled to understand the depths of her father's sickness. During the trial, Kiani stunned the courtroom by saying there was nothing wrong with a father having sex with his daughters. She used Marcus's term, loving, when describing her own molestation. Alicia knew that Kiani, Gypsy, and Elizabeth couldn't be held responsible for their beliefs. Marcus had brainwashed his family into believing that he was a literal god. His children acted against their own self-interest purely out of fear. It took years of deprogramming and therapy for the victims to shed Marcus's propaganda. Eventually, Marcus's children were able to accept the reality of what had happened. Those who protected him when he was arrested finally denounced him for the horrendous abuser that he was. The women Alicia took into her home were also able to rebuild their identities. By September 2009, Elizabeth was 50 years old and finally filing divorce papers against her husband. Although she still mourned her lost children, she learned to stay strong for the family she still had left. 
Her daughters, Gypsy and Kiani, went on to have children of their own with new men. Gypsy named her daughter Alicia after her rescuer. Marcus, now 74, still sits on death row today. His once massive 300-pound frame has been reduced to half of that. And while he waits for his final judgment, his victims are finally living their lives outside of his shadow. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Katovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock, some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.